0: Today on Chase Wildly, the tables are turned, people. I get interviewed this time by my good friend Carrie Lyle. She is a professional question asker. She is a life coach and someone who has interviewed candidates for the last eight years as part of her job at Google. Furthermore, over the many years of our friendship, she has become one of the people who knows me best. So I was honored to have her help me explore my own experiences and beliefs. Today, you get a better glimpse at who is on this side of the microphone. Some crazy guy named Chase Nelson. Let's go. Hi, Carrie.
1: <laughs> How are you?
0: I'm good. Good. Good.
1: Good. Um, all right, should we do it?
0: Let's do it. Okay. Yeah.
1: Woo! <laughs> 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 um, we're just going to go on a little journey.
0: Let's go on a journey.
1: Okay. Okay. I want to start by asking, I know you have been a lot of things and are a lot of things, but who are you now in this moment?
0: Mm. Who am I now in this moment? Oh Lord, what a question. Um, Now in this moment, uh, like what am I doing with my life or who do I feel like now at an existential level?
1: Wherever you want to take it.
0: Oh, jeez. Yeah. At the, in this moment, I feel like a jumble of emotions and thoughts, and um, and I'm a podcaster. I'm podcasting and trying to write, trying to create. You know, start my writing career. So I, I'm all those things at once. And what else would I say? I don't know. That's that's what I am today. Mm. A man on the road, a dog owner for sure.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I think my little lady Donya is uh, is one of my priorities, mm-hmm. my little pooch. So um yeah, those are the things I am.
1: Okay. And what are you what are you up to? Like what's the point for you right now?
0: The point in my life. Jeez, mm-hmm. ah, started with some softballs, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the point of my life right now is to find, um, to find a sense of purpose, to, <coughs> to more or less find the things that really resonate with me, um, that I can do that really resonate with me, and find the things that I can do in a way that I can contribute back to my community too. I think that's another part of what's important to me right now. Um, because you know i over the last five years essentially in my life i've been searching for things that give me a sense of purpose i've been searching for things that really fulfill me that speak to some part of myself that's that i consider you know that higher self Um, and yet that's all been very self-centered and so there's been some part of me that's wanted to give back. So this new part of my life is about making that connection to what I'm doing to the people and the things that are outside of me.
1: Mm. And what impact do you wanna have on people? Like how do you want people to be different because of, because of this, because of what you're doing?
0: I want them to be better versions of themselves because of what I'm doing. I want them to give themselves permission to not be perfect in endeavoring to figure out what that means. Mm. Because I think that pursuit itself is important. I think the permission that you you ultimately give yourself is crucial, is a crucial part of your self-acceptance and a crucial part of you developing the compassion necessary to be a good human being a Mm -hmm. member of society good neighbor Mm a good friend a good i don't know steward leader everything that the world needs
1: when did you start giving yourself permission
0: Mm. i oh boy when did i recently super recently Mm -hmm. i probably started giving myself permission Oh, I don't know. Honestly, it comes and goes. Hmm. I mean, permission is one of those things where some, I woke up this morning thinking, who the fuck are you?
1: Like me or you?
0: No, me to myself. (laughs) Who the fuck are you to, to think that you're the one to have a podcast like this, or Mm. to do a project like this, or to have the audacious idea that you can influence Mm. the world in a positive way. And so the process of giving myself permission is a daily one. Um, But it's one that I think started, you know, within the last year, the last year or two.
1: You also mentioned something about five years ago
0: mm.
1: so what what happened then?
0: Yeah, what happened then five years ago, five or six years ago, in well i left I left everything I had been working towards i I left everything I knew, I left the world that I knew um, which was. He oversimplified the world of software development. I grew up in the Bay area. I was teaching myself to design websites in high school, I uh, to build and design websites in high school. And, and then all through college, I interned in software uh, as an engineer and then as a, as a sort of analyst product manager and designer. And then ultimately I ended my career at, at 28 and 30 and and that's sort of the time frame between there that we're talking about the shift happened Mm -hmm. um as a as a software designer and and so my entire life and sort of the construct of who i thought i was and who i was hoping to become was somewhat static for that entire period of time Mm -hmm. and so uh something occurred and in those years something changed that um, made me question it all and um, and so that's the journey I've been on in the last five years is is putting back together those pieces of who am I um, because if it wasn't that then then what I'm and I was so mm-hmm. certain that, that that's yeah. what it was
1: was that shift gradual and building over time? Were you aware of it as it was happening? Was it like a single moment, some sort of epiphany? Like what was that shift like?
0: Yeah, that shift, um, it was, it wasn't gradual, but for years it was persistent. Mm -hmm. And then it was like, a car hitting you. Mm -hmm. Um, So by persistent, I mean, there was always an underlying sense of, of the first word that comes to mind is despair, but, but dread dread is a Mm -hmm. better word. Some underlying sense of dread about going to work every day. And, and you know, I found different ways to cope with that, to bury that. Whether it was partying with friends, or you know, putting all my efforts into a relationship, or um, or changing jobs every two years, which is what I ended up doing. You know, mm-hmm. thinking that oh, it's just this job, or it's just these people. It's projecting yeah. that if feeling. If I change
1: this, then right. everything will be better. Yeah.
0: So it was responding to this persistent underlying dread by changing all these things outside of myself. And then it was like getting hit by a car uh, uh, around 28, 29, when I went through a breakup that was very hard for me. My mom had cancer for the third time and ostensibly I lost my job, um, which, you know, and a lot of my friends in the process. And so, all those things together. And, and although I lost my job, it was part of the business being sold. So the business that I was working for and an owner of was sold and through that sale, you know, things got strange with my friends. So i make that clarification because after that point, right? I, after the sale of that business, I had made a bunch of money and, um, and yet I was miserable and I had lost my friends and I had lost the woman I was in a relationship with and my mom was potentially about to die. And so the thing that I thought I wanted to become was the job title and the amount of money in the neighborhood I lived in, and the car that I wanted to drive. And I had all of those things and I was miserable, absolutely Mm -hmm. terrible. Mm -hmm. And, um, and really for the first time in my life, very depressed. And, and so that was the, the moment of getting hit by the car with the realization, the, the figurative car of, of, of dread and despair and, oh shit, you know, what do I do with my life?
1: So you're hit by the car and then what? Like what was your, what was your next move? What was your first move?
0: Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I'm a very stubborn human being. So my first move was to just keep going. You know, I, I took, well, that's not true. I took a month and I went down to Brazil on a surfing trip just by myself. And I thought, you know, this'll help me. And I came back and I started consulting. And so I had, so I was pretty stubborn. I just kept trying to go and trying to go. And and I hated it even more. I hated my projects even more. I had this amazing project working for... And this is sort of... I think this is what life does to you, right? It gives you exactly what you think that you want mm-hmm. sometimes, even when it's not good for you, just to make it clear, mm-hmm. just to make it super clear to you. Oh, yeah, you think you want that? Yeah. All right, let's see what you do with it. So I got this job working with DARPA, um, essentially, designing the future of cyber warfare, which was my dream job. I mean, it combined thinking about like designing software in a sense that's like futuristic video games, you know, for a for a future twenty years from now when we're combating in a whole mm-hmm. new way. Anyway, I was I was in heaven with the concept, but the reality of it was I was still miserable. So I had this 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 really clear picture that things weren't working out. You know, the the woman I was working with um, or for uh, her and I were in this um, very, what felt to me very sexual harassing relationship. Um, I I was her client or she was my client. I was subcontracting Mm -hmm. with her. That's pretty irrelevant. But um, I just kept going, kept going. And, And ultimately when I had that project and it was just totally going to shit, and I and I still hated it. It just became so apparent. So what I did, the next thing I did was I went and got a woofer certification, mm-hmm. and that's a wilderness first responder certification. And and going hiking with my buddies, um, you know, we'd probably do it once or twice a year, but still, I knew it was something that I liked. Mm-hmm. You know, so I thought, well, maybe if I get outside more, this will help. And maybe, and I like to do things this way. So like, I don't, I hate courses that are like meet every Wednesday for an hour Mm -hmm. for the next eight weeks. You know, I don't do that. I like to go to something for 10 days straight, 20 days straight and be totally immersed in it. So I went to this woofer course because that was going to get me out in the woods it was gonna teach me these first aid skills um about being in the backcountry. It was gonna give me this whole in two weeks, essentially, in my mind, this whole sense of of confidence in, in the backcountry, in the woods. And so so I went out there, I went to this place in Idaho, and um and, and yeah, things happened really quickly from there. Um these people there were talking about the Pacific Crest Trail, which is something growing up in California I had heard of. And um, I decided on that trip that I was gonna hike it. And so that was in February. In April, I was I had gotten rid of the place I was staying. Um, I had put my car in storage at my parents' house with pretty much everything I owned in, in the car, mm-hmm. in, in their garage. And... Um, and I was hiking the PCT mm-hmm. from Mexico to Canada.
1: I just realized that I think it was in here that we were packing your resupply boxes. You're
0: absolutely right.
1: And like splitting up the maps. <laughs> <laughs>
0: like, yeah. Yep, yep, yeah. good memory, yeah.
1: Um, I wanna read something that you wrote to me when in your advice to me for the JMT. Please do. Um, One of the things you wrote was The headline was release all that's not you. And you wrote, this is a unique opportunity to let the influence of others melt away. All the influence of San Francisco, of your Google family, your main family of partners and friends. As these melt away, you'll be given a brief but more clear vision of yourself and what you want for your life. Who are you without all of those superficial layers of identity you've attached to? So when you were on the PCT, who are you without all of those superficial layers?
0: Mm. Um, well, whoever I wanted to be. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Say more. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's the simple answer. And um, yeah, who was I? I mean, I became the strong silent cowboy. I mean, that, that was the trail name that I was given And I accepted gladly (laughs) and um, that's essentially who I became. But I want to say, you know, it's, it's not that you see who you are when you're out there. Cause that was just another construct of, of identity that I attached to and a good one and a helpful one. But I still, it was still the process of asking questions of who am I the entire trip and, and still in life. But, but what it afforded me was at least a dialogue with myself. Whereas I had felt at least, and maybe other what we call empaths or sensitive individuals can relate to, is in the city, the, the emotional noise that exists the,
1: the static,
0: the, static the, the, the emotional and the actual noise that exists and the, you know, you're not sure if the voices in, in your head are yours or it's the person on the bus next to you freaking out. It's the person behind you. It's, you know, and, and to be out there and actually feel, to feel that melt away, to hear the quiet within me come, um, made it feel like that geography was important just to begin to have the dialogue with myself Mm -hmm. of who I am. So, you know, I, I had a blast as a strong silent cowboy and, um, really, really embraced and embodied this sort of mountain man and and left that software designer well behind, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I wore a cowboy hat the, the entire trail. After I got the name and um, hung a American flag off the back <laughs> of my backpack, and um, you know, had fun being very primal
2: mm-hmm. in
0: a very Neanderthal way. In a in a very, you know, you're dirty and you're gross mm-hmm. out there, and um, and it feels amazing. In sort of a return to, in, in sort of a in releasing all the shame and the guilt and the weight that can go along with civility, with trying to be civil and, and right and mm-hmm. good mm-hmm. in every moment mm-hmm. of your life.
1: Mm-hmm. Did it take you a while to get to that point on the trail where you could think, could have that dialogue with yourself? Like where you weren't just thinking about where you're going to get water and when you need to eat and where you're going to sleep. Like.
0: Yeah, that's a good question. I. The, the sensation that the other stuff had melted away came Mm -hmm. very quickly. Um, Well, two weeks in, I noticed, I really noticed the shift. Mm -hmm. I noticed that I had let those voices go, let those feelings go, let those things that were from family and past and other people and places and jobs and expectations of coworkers and old coworkers. And, and all of that was just noticeably gone. Mm-hmm. So two weeks, two to three weeks in that, in that time frame, I really noticed it. Um, but...
1: Man, even as I was just listening to you say that, I got the sensation of like when you finally take your pack off at the end of the day
0: (laughs) and And how you feel like half
1: the weight that you've been all day long. You
0: realize how tall that you're standing when that pack comes off easily standing tall. Oh yeah. And your chest opens and you're, yeah, yeah. That's the exact sensation. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. (laughs)
1: Literal and figurative (laughs) I guess. Yeah. Sure. Um, What more about the PCT? I mean, I know it was. Well, let me not assume. I was going to say I know it was such a transformational experience for you, but how would you, how would you describe it?
0: Um, yeah, I describe it as a transformational experience, very much so. Um, you know, I'll go back to one thing I alluded to before: is that it was you're walking away from who you used to be. And so in that is getting rid of all the limitations of who you thought you used to be or could be. And um, so out there, I would just have these vivid daydreams of everything I could do and everything I could be. And there was, there was hardly any voice of doubt in that place. And so there was a sense of confidence that came from it. Um, of, of possibility, a connection to mm-hmm. what felt like a realm of possibility that I had been disconnected from. E- even to fantasize, to imagine a different life, a different me had, yeah. had felt impossible before. And so that was transformational. To assume another identity was a part of that as well. I mean to actually wear another identity to feel other people seeing you in a certain way to have a new name um just totally expanded the the concept of of what life could be mm. um and so it was transformational in all those ways the other way that it was transformational is that physically it was transformational I mean I had since since college I had probably been 35 pounds overweight, um, if not more. And, um, and so to shed all that weight, to feel strong for the first time in my life, really. I mean, since high school sports, I felt strong in high school sports, but, but then as an adult to, to feel just your body, I I think there's something spiritually hollowing about letting your body melt the way we do and um for me there was yeah. and so to reawaken the cells of my body in a way and this in this mode of movement was was really powerful for me and something i, I never if i can help it want to mm. want to lose in my life
1: remember when i saw you <laughs> And I didn't recognize. I like walked right by you, or drove yeah. right by you. Yeah, I forget who you were with. One of your child. I, I was mates. with
0: Birdman at the time, <laughs> and we were at um we were at Willie's Saloon, which was um near Sonora Pass. Yes. Yeah.
1: Drove right by you guys, or oh, yeah, man. walked right by you. Yeah. Um, I know we've been talking about the PCT, and I don't mean for this to be a leading question, but I wanted to ask if you had to pick one moment where you would say there was chase before that and chase after that, what would that moment be?
0: One moment, one moment where chase departed from the old self and became the new self.
1: Or when you look at the arc of your life thus far Mm. and you think, wow, there was chase before I mean, this doesn't need to be your answer, but for example, chase before the PCT and chase after the PCT, like, yeah. Was there sort of a BC um, exactly (laughs) the BC and AD (laughs) version? Was there a moment, an experience, a turning point?
0: Um, I think the. Oh, yeah. Yes, there was. I mean, I think the PCT is that point. Mm and I know it's a 6 month period but that was it. Yeah. It happened in that 6 month period. But I would also say that I don't know, maybe it happened before then. Mm-hmm. Really, maybe the 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 BC was the bottom of despair. Mm-hmm. You know, that moment in deciding I cannot live this way anymore. Mm-hmm. I cannot live with this Dread just to leave my bed every day. Why? Yeah. And um, so that, I, I think that's the turning point. And, and when I got there, when I came out of the despair and the depression and finally found the courage or the the ability or the energy to to start trying these new things, that... I don't remember that day. Mm-hmm. I don't remember that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but it uh, it and was we probably often there.
1: Don't right? Like yeah. I feel like it's in hind exactly what you're saying. It's in hindsight that we realize, oh, like I didn't know it was happening at the time, but like that was the moment where everything was starting to change. Yeah. 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 So now that you're on this this journey, this path of curiosity and self-discovery, what are you most wanting to know about yourself?
0: Mm. Um, Lord, what am I most wanting to know about myself? Man, in the moment, in the moment, I mean, there's a lot of things. So I had this transformational experience years ago we're hiking the pct i've already said it but what needs to be clear is that 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 moment of change like has precipitated i don't remember who i was in the pct so what i what i mean by that is like i feel like the first 28 years of my life i was one person to a large extent i mean with variation with marginal growth but one person since since making that change, I feel like the, the growth and the evolution of myself has been exponential, extraordinary. Mm. Every year, year and a half, I feel like I don't even recognize the mindset I had a year ago, two years ago, three years ago. Um, so it, it's changing constantly what I want to know about myself, what I want from life in that way. And these days, what I want is really to make sure that I'm living in integrity with myself. Mm. And so what I'm wanting is a really clear understanding what, of what it means to listen to myself, mm. to trust myself. And, and the best and the, the most virtuous part of myself. Um, and so that's what I'm trying to inquire into in every interaction in my life.
1: And you mentioned voices. Yeah. <laughs> How do you know which of all of the voices is truly yours? Or are, are you actually none of them and you're just the consciousness that hears them?
0: Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I don't know yet. Mm-hmm. I don't know yet. I mean they the voices yeah my at a high level my experience with voices my personal experience i Mm -hmm. mean some people out there claim to be channelers and some people claim to have conversations with guides that is not my experience with voices in my life my experience with voices are that voices are doubt or fear or shame
2: Mm.
0: and that things like intuition and this is for me, I, I wanna totally be clear that I, I'm okay with other people having different experiences, physiological experiences with their intuition and, and their guides and however they navigate life. But for me, when it comes to listening to myself, it has been a visceral body relationship. Mm. It has been more about feelings. It's been more about magnets, you know, feeling feeling, feeling drawn mm. to things, it's noticing a sensation of attraction um, as if I were a magnet drawn towards something or in response to things. Someone says, hey, Chase, do you want to go to something? And I either feel a constriction and a weight coming towards me and then the voices of fear or I feel a lightness and an ease Or excitement.
1: Mm. But how do you... What do I want to say? I mean, how do you get past the fear? Because I imagine there are things where you would still benefit from doing them or want to do to do them if you just didn't listen to the fear sorry I didn't say that very clearly no, I but think like, I know
0: what you're saying though like r- what's the difference between fear and resistance like
1: yeah or you can have both fear and courage at the same time and something is still worth doing
0: yeah totally it's so
1: how do you know when it's a fear of don't do this because it's not a good thing and fear of oh chase are you sure you can really
0: do this sure yeah I think what's um Fear for me is always there. Mm. So, even uh, the example I gave was bad because the body is telling me yes or no has been my experience to date. You know, this is an experiment that's been going on for, (laughs) you know, maybe a year with a sample size of one. It's quite (laughs) statistically erroneous. Yeah,
1: insignificant. (laughs) Insignificant.
0: Statistically (laughs) insignificant. But I, um, the fear is always there. And that's been the real the real hard aspect of it, because even when I get excited about something, the next thing that happens is all of the fear comes. And so how do I deal with that? You know, and I talked about it with this podcast. I mean, I don't nothing makes me feel better right now in my life than than preparing for these than doing these, than putting them out there then taking notes after, you know? And so it's all of that sensation that we're talking about of of the lightness and the goodness, and yet I'm hounded by that fear. So what do I do with it? You know, it's been, courage for me has been about, I don't know, I don't know how to describe it, changing my relationship with fear, Mm -hmm. seeing fear as, as people that are around me, entities that are around me that, um, that have their job and have their reasons. And um, because there's two things that happen, have happened in my life. If I try to bury fear, I also bury my intuition. Mm -hmm. And Fear can't be buried. So if I if I continually bury it in my life, it has come back stronger and stronger and stronger.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I think that's one of the the parts of um of you know finding yourself in depression is that resistance to to the negativity that can visit us sometimes, like fear and shame and doubt. And so uh to me it, it's uh, this is so long winded because it's not a simple process and i and i feel like i'm flailing even now in life with it but it's an acceptance of fear that it's there it's an awareness that it's there oh i see fear there you are hi and you're you're fearful of what oh you're fearful of this and why oh because remember this happened chase oh yeah okay and and then and then it's it's deciding that i'm the adult in the situation and saying thanks, but that doesn't apply here. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And there's a dynamic in that conversation that happens with me in fear of, of recently that the fear goes to the side or it gets a little quieter, or it feels like, like a human being, it feels like it's been listened to and understood and i'm not sure i love this relationship with fear but it's the one that has allowed me to make some changes in Mm -hmm. my life and be a bit more courageous courageous recently Mm -hmm. Um, i would like to find a way to not even give fear as much attention as i give it and maybe that happens over time Mm -hmm. over time of developing the awareness but for right now fear still gets a lot of attention in that process so that's how i how i navigate i
1: love that um we're in winter, which is the season of not only going inward, but also of death, right? Like
0: in California, there are <laughs> flowers blooming. I've got allergies because the sun is out too much and everything is pollinating. But yes, we're in winter. It is the season of a lot going of the inward. northern
1: hemisphere is in winter. Um so you've talked a lot about what you're going toward and possibility, in order to do that, what do you need to let die? You know, if there needs to be a death in order to allow new light, new possibility, what is it for you that needs to die?
0: Mm. Um. In this very moment, I mean... And in life in general, a lot of it's been about letting relationships die or the form that they were in die. Letting certain friendships go. Letting any clinging to past lovers go. Letting clinging to plans go. Um, I think oftentimes I get stuck in... The plans that I make, you know, essentially expectations that I make for myself. I'm going to do this. And and um that's haunted me a lot in the last couple of years of deciding, oh, I'm gonna make this, I'm gonna write this book and it's gonna go like this, and then and I just keep banging my head against the wall, even when everything around me is telling me to move on and and do something different or do it a different way.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So that's another thing that needs that I'm constantly letting die are the plans that I made a month ago or a week ago or whatever. Um, The other things that need to die are, I don't know. That's the answer for now. I Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot more. Um, I think in this project, let's talk about this project for a minute. In this project, the things that need to die are the, the idea that I'll be ruined if I say something wrong. The idea that my life will be over if my reputation is ruined. The idea that um, I won't be lovable if I screw up or that if my reputation is ruined, I'll have no friends or I won't have a partner in life. So those sorts of ideas and there's, there's a laundry list of them. Mm. You know, there's a new one every day. All those ideas need to die.
1: Those are heavy. Yeah. Yeah. And you still went for it.
0: Yeah, here we are. <laughs> 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 yeah, I mean, it's... it's. Um, I'm done not listening to myself, mm. you know, um, even when failure is is likely and that doesn't mean i'm aiming for it or i'm looking at it or i'm giving it a lot of attention as i move forward but um i will fail in this i've already been quite unperfect in a lot of ways and i and and i think you know well
1: let me (laughs) let me ask what is failure to you
0: well yeah, I, I, when I say that, I mean it. I mean it lightly. I mean, I, I, I think failure is a good thing. I think failure is a really good thing. Um, but at the same time, I've known that I've been terrified of it. So, what does failure mean to me? I mean, it's the it's all those ideas I talked about. Mm-hmm. You know, it's yeah. uh, you know saying the wrong thing and losing a friend over it. It's saying the wrong thing and having it go viral. It's saying the wrong thing and uh, losing all your friends and ending up a drug addict on the street. You know, like what? What will failure actual actually mean in actuality? Well, you know, we'll see. Mm-hmm. But um, failure so far has meant messing up my wording on on the first couple podcasts it has meant um, screwing up you know not having telling the editor to do it the way that I that I should have had him to do, to do it because mm-hmm. I would didn't want to go back and forth with him and I felt bad and you know so like yeah. it's a hundred little things yeah, yeah, it's yeah. cussing too much on the first episode <laughs> when I wish I hadn't cussed as much as I cussed and um so you know it's it's a thousand things but I have to step on those landmines to know they're there. and mm-hmm. Sometimes you do. Sometimes you really do. Sometimes you don't, but I, I'm sort of one of those people in life where I, I'm going to learn through experience
1: yeah.
0: and and I hope to learn quickly.
1: You talked about relationships. Yeah. And I'm curious for someone who is ruthless about their independence and lives a life.
0: Talking about yourself <laughs> or me?
1: <laughs> Maybe both, but you. <laughs> <laughs> and is, lives a life on the move, on the road. Um, you like to do what you want to do on your timeline. Yet you also talk about the importance of tribe and community. So... I guess my question is like, how do you, how do you think about tribe and community while you are living this different life? And um, yeah, I'll, I'll pause there.
0: Yeah, so that's a, that's an excellent question um, because I've, I've really racked my brain and my heart over this one in the last few years. Um, and especially recently, because I'm in a new relationship which with a, with a gal of all things that lives in Sicily. So that makes it a whole lot easier as well. But how do I, yeah, how do I conceptualize that? How do I come to terms with that? How do I, uh, I haven't figured it out, but so far it stems from self-acceptance. And what I mean by that is that I'm, I'm doing what I love. And by doing that, naturally, I've lost a lot of friendships. I've lost a lot. And I've lost a lot of sense of tribe. Um, but the converse of that is two things. One is that I found myself... And I've, I've really found within the loneliness a sense of stability that cannot be swayed by the number of friends I have mm. or whether I'm in a relationship or not. That seems so solid. I, I feel as if, and I'm sure this is not true. I'm sure as soon as I say it, life will put things in motion to test me, but... As if I'll live the rest of my life with the certainty that I will be okay if I'm not married. I will be okay if I don't find my soulmate. I will be okay if I don't have, you know, book clubs or people to go, the same people to go hang out with all the time. And so that's the first thing that sense of stability and worthiness and belonging as a human being without. The approval or the acceptance of other people. And the second thing is that some people have stayed around. So, what have I found in doing what I love? That there will always be people there for me, and they'll be the right people for that right time in life, or they'll be, or they are my always people, you know, and those relationships have gotten deeper because. I've become more honest with myself which allows me to become more honest with them. They and I think people naturally respond to that, you know. And in either way, you're either you're either pushed away from it. So like you said, it's been hard. It's been really mm-hmm. hard um and what does that mean for the sense of tribe, you know? I'm not even sure what tribe means to me. Mm. You know, it may it certainly at this point in my life doesn't mean um doesn't mean seeing the, seeing the same people at the farmers market every week because i'm i'm constantly moving but it, it may mean you know having having a phone call with the same friend once a month mm-hmm. it may mean uh, going to the same writing workshop once a year it may mean starting my own tribe which i think would is something i think about more and more often which is as i find these people as i do more and more what is true to me And I find these relationships that are more and more important is bringing those people together wherever I end up being at different points. So say I'm in Sedona later, you know, how can I get four or five of my friends in Sedona for a weekend doing Mm. something together? Um, And so that's what I visualize as as my tribe coming together in this nomadic life that Mm -hmm. I've chosen.
1: Mm -hmm. So what would your response be to someone who says it's not about the place, it's about the people, like it just matters who you're with.
0: Yeah, um, you're right. But you're with yourself first. Mm. And so you got to check that before you start leaning on anyone else. Um, but there's, yeah, it's not about the, the place. It's about the people. Yeah, relationships Are paramount in life. You can have a meaningful relationship with anyone you meet today. If you're present and you're and you're living in yourself. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: That can be the checker. It's so that can be the person at the gas station.
1: Yeah. I was just gonna say it's so true. I mean, I'm sure you can think of people in your life too that are there because you decided to turn and say hello to them right In you know <laughs> on the bus or whatever um yeah so yeah i love that you said that because it's so so true so true um the other thing just on tribe that i wanted to ask was do you see this as sort of a sacrifice that you're making right now to get really solid with yourself and then it'll change over time and you will have that proximity and that those same people every day or do you see the way things are now continuing for the rest of your life
0: um yes i see that i don't know i mm-hmm. i don't i i'm out of the business of conjecturing on what <laughs> life is going to bring me you know that has not gone well for me <laughs> um so I'm into the business of saying, yes, this has felt like a sacrifice. It's felt like putting myself in a lot of senses over the, the last year or two into a sort of solitary confinement to really take time to wrestle with my demons. And, um, and I would hope for, Uh, I I mean, part of this project is to create community, is to to create a more relational and interactive way of living that's not just within myself. Um, So I would hope for that. Mm -hmm. You know, what it looks like, in what form, how traditional is it in our idea of tribe? I don't know, but time will tell.
1: Yeah. I want to talk about rites of passage.
0: Yeah, me too. Because
1: I know that's something you're interested in exploring right now with all the people that you're talking to. So what have been your rites of passage?
0: Boy, um, there's a lot. Uh, there, there are a lot in my life. And I think, I think I almost see any hardship in my life as some sort of rite of passage.
1: Would you say that that is sort of the definition of a rite of pa- or inherent in a rite of passage is that there's some pain? I,
0: I, think so. I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I don't want to pretend to be any sort of expert on rite of passages because I've, I'm really just beginning to understand them, but transformation in my life has been a result of pain it's come from that point of thinking i just can't do this anymore and then doing it anyway Mm. and um or or doing it in a different way you know And, and then so it's Yeah, I mean they've all come with pain, but I think pain sometimes we confuse with something negative. Um I think there's a human response to change. I think uh I think we literally grieve change in our bodies and, and in our emotions and so uh i'm getting us off of rites of passage a little bit but i think that um that process yeah is requisite mm-hmm. to to transformation that that process of pain we can call it pain but it's change and and what's hand in hand and change is your body's and your emotions resistance to growth or or the fear or something but it it manifests as pain
1: yeah, yeah. Um, actually let's park rites of passage for a second, because you're talking about something that I'm curious your perspective on, which is the connection between body and mind.
0: Mm. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Where do we go with that one? Um, I mean, is there something specifically we can Um, target? I mean, I've got so much on this, right? Because I mean, this relates to rites of passage too, because most of my rites of passage in my life had had to do with physical injury. Mm -hmm. And so there's body, mind, and spirit. And I'm not sure this is where you were going with it, but for me, the body and the mind connection is, um, these are both our body and our mind to me, they're inputs and outputs both right so they are receiving information and and in my opinion sending it to our spirit our higher self Mm -hmm. and then the higher self is responding through the body and the mind and then we use the body and the mind together and put it put that message that came from our higher self into action now what happens is that our bodies get fucked up and our minds get fucked up, and so the messaging that comes back and forth from the world into ourselves and back out to the world can become a destructive thing. And so, and there's a lot of other things that I believe. I mean, I, I believe that that if our mind is not well, our body won't be well.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And if our spirit isn't getting fed, it'll manifest coming out of of our mind in messed up ways or in our body in messed up ways. Mm-hmm. So these are loose beliefs though. I want to say that too. I mean, these are theories that I have about life and, I, and I'm trying to be inquisitive about them as I continue to live. I mean, I don't prescribe to any religion that that says, you know, well, if you hurt your left ankle, it means you need to work on your relationship with your mother. Um, and at the same time, if I hurt my left ankle, well, I might as well look at my relationship with my mother. <laughs>
1: Why not? <laughs> Why not?
0: <laughs> What's the harm that could be done <laughs>
1: while I'm down there? <laughs>
0: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So I—I I mean, you ask what I believe about the money. I—I don't believe a lot, but that's my working theory, and mm-hmm. that's how I'm. Um, that's what I'm testing in mm-hmm. my life and my own experiences. Mm-hmm.
1: Do you believe emotions live in certain places in the body?
0: Mm. I don't know. I don't know about that. Um, (laughs) Yeah, maybe, maybe. I mean, if I, I'm not sure I'm sensitive enough or have tuned in enough to figure that out. Uh, I could believe it though. I could easily believe that. Um, I mean, when I get sad, it feels like it comes from the same place when I get angry, it feels like it comes from a different place. Mm -hmm. When I feel guilt, maybe that it's close to anger. I mean, guilt is close to the sadness place, but yeah. So maybe, Mm -hmm. maybe, maybe that's different for everyone. Maybe.
1: What are you feeling right now?
0: Right now I'm feeling, uh, I'm feeling pretty good. I'm feeling, I don't know, light. (laughs) Happy, I'm feeling happy. Right
1: um. Now. Okay. Rights of passage. I know you've had a lot, so maybe let's narrow it down to. Okay. <laughs> or we could Cut go the through. Brass tacks. No, but I was gonna say. Um-
0: Let me just list them, and then you can choose. Okay. And then I'll pick. Great. So. Uh. Yeah. Okay. My first. I think a big one was at 14 years old. I. I had my first knee injury. And that was that was just like this, it was the first week of high school. So I spent the first week of high school on crutches with braces. I was mortified. Wow. I was mortified. Wow. Worse off. I feel like I lost my place on the varsity soccer team because of it. Um and uh and so anyway, this was a a turning point in my life. And it was also the day, you know, that I that I really realized I wasn't invincible. I mean, I think mm-hmm. we can live so long thinking that physically we're invincible. The second one writes a passage, writes a passage. Um, let's see. Oh man. Uh, I'll just jump to the piece. No. Yeah. I'll just jump to the PCT. Mm-hmm. Um, the PCT is definitely one. And then another one, um, I, I think unrequited unrequ- love. Is a rite of passage. I mean, I think I've gone through that. I feel like a couple times in my life, and that to me may be one of the hardest things to to go through um, for me. And um, and so that's the other one, you know. And I had a, a recent experience of that. Um, gosh, almost three years ago now, mm-hmm. two and a half. But uh, but yeah, I'll say those are the big three, the big three. And there's other smaller events, but yeah.
1: Crutches and braces. Yep. Hiking in the back country. Yep. And a broken heart. Yeah. Couple of broken hearts. Yeah. Um, what rites of passage have you not experienced yet that you know you want to?
0: Oh, yeah. I forgot a whole bunch of other stuff. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I was going to say, I think there's more. But
0: <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I definitely say, oh, shit, man. I went to Mexico and did an, an aboga ceremony. And um, and th- that's a, it's uh what do they call it? It's a plant medicine, I'll call it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Is it like ayahuasca?
0: It's like ayahuasca. Um, so we can come back to this if okay. you want to. Yeah. So that's def, that's an enormous one. That is enormous. And then you asked, what are some things that I would like to do? And let me just answer that real quickly. Then we go wherever you want. I'd like to have more rites of passage that are in a group. Mm. So the aboga ceremony that we can talk about was in a group, but um I've never in my life had a rite of passage that was structured by community, by men. Um, I'd love to have something like that. I'd love Mm -hmm. to have a rite of passage that was structured both, both. One, just my community of people and to go through some experience with them or to have them put me through some experience. On the other side of which... I'm accepted by them, and, and we have a, a more intimate relationship in a new way. And then one just with men, that is about um, accepting each other as men. And, and I'm not sure the details of that or what that looks like, but, but both would be valuable to me in my life. And maybe, maybe I mean, I'm older now, I'm 35, which is not extraordinarily old, but maybe I have to be the leader of, of that, you know, Mm -hmm. maybe it's for me to create that for someone young in my life who, who wants that experience Mm -hmm. or feels they need that Mm -hmm.
1: experience. But it sounds like you are wanting more rites of passage that are intentional and that you participate in rather than the ones that just happened to you.
0: Yeah. 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 I mean, life is a cruel teacher. Yeah. When we have the option Uh, I mean, you know, if we can be disciplined enough to, to, I don't know what it is, you know, create these own rites of passage in our own life. I think that, I think we'll save ourselves a lot of suffering, but, but but we'll be designing pain for ourselves Mm -hmm. at the same time. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. I don't know, life seems to do it in a way, for me at least, and maybe it's because I tend to be pretty stubborn. That's That seems violent, mm-hmm. <laughs> unnecessarily so.
1: <laughs> um, let's talk about a Yeah, uh, Yeah. Um, yeah, I Iboga.
0: mean. Eboga, <laughs> eboga. So a yeah, you don't even know where to start, do you? <laughs> I don't. A boga So you're is, in
1: Mexico, yeah. you're with a oh, group this of is people a great story. that you've that you've never met before.
0: Yeah. Well, it's Did you like well buy this that. online?
1: It's like <laughs> you like, <laughs> like.
0: Yes. Did you I get driven like blindfolded down long. a dirt road or okay, like what wait, happened? Wait. Okay. <laughs> I mean, you, you pretty much. Pretty much. I bought this online. I mean, this is how most great stories start, right? It was late one night. I was listening to a podcast <laughs> and I was, you know, in a dark place and um, yeah, I, I mean, there are a lot of reasons I, I decided to go there, but I ended up calling this, this organization called Crossroads and I had heard about them from, from podcasters, you know, that I respect uh, I don't even know what that means to respect a <laughs> podcaster. <laughs> but um, it's good for me to think about now that I'm in this position. Um, and, I, and I talked to this guy, you know, and, and I ultimately decided not to do it. And then a year later, I found myself in a different position. And, and this guy reached out to me on a whim and said, hey, we've had cancellations at the May ceremony. Uh, and this was like a, a week away. He was like, we're just looking for anyone to take spots if if you're interested. And I was really interested in it, and I really wanted to do it. So within a week, I found someone to watch my dog and decided to go. And so, um, so I flew, yeah, this was a trip. Dude, I flew, I flew to San Diego, and the so after I like paid right, the communication sort of goes dark with these people, and I'm getting a little nervous. But I get an email, but the email is a bit a bit convoluted. It's like so, Carlos is going to drive you to the center, and then in a, the next paragraph is like um, Juanita. We'll meet you at the airport. I'm like, okay, well, why is Juanita meeting me at the airport if Carlos Carlos is driving driving me? (laughs) Yeah, I guess I'll figure it out. And as I'm down there, you know, I get a text from a random number that says, hi, this is Carlos. Text me when you're getting off the plane.
1: Well, where's Juanita?
0: Exactly. (laughs) Now I'm like, where's Juanita? So I text Carlos when I get off the plane and I'm nervous as all hell, right? Uh, My, for a lot of reasons. I mean, I had not done, I had created ceremonies for myself um, with with magic mushrooms, with psilocybin, um, but I had never done acid. I had never done ayahuasca. I had never done these other plant medicines that people talk about and and, and I had chosen a boga. And so I'm just generally nervous. And at that point in my life, I was a generally nervous person. (laughs) This was was soon after. This was in the midst of like one of these unrequited love breakups, which is not a time I would recommend to other people to do an (laughs) experience like this. So I arrive at the airport. I text Carlos. Carlos, a a different number texts me back that says, this is Juanita. And now I'm thinking like, this is Juanita, I'm outside. Now I'm thinking like, are they even... Uh, they must be related, connected. But now I'm connected to you know whole network of uh, people I don't know. So I walk out and there's Juanita, and Juanita is this gorgeous. I mean, Latin woman. I don't know her 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 ethnicity, but um, beautiful dark hair. She's got this you know some uh, Spanish accent, Mexican or, or Central American accent to her English, and and I'm like, man, if they are starting a cult. <laughs> Like they are doing this right. You know, it's just like, this is classic how they, how you pull people into a cult. You know, you get the cute girls, you put the name tag on them, you send them around to talk to people. They find the depressed guy. And then it's (laughs) boom, he's in. Um, but I'm thinking this at the same time. So instead of like the fact that she's nice and beautiful, making me relaxed, I'm even more nervous now. And so, um, but but now I'm curious because Juanita de- isn't in a car; she's just standing there. So mm-hmm. I'm like, "Well, okay, Carlos is obviously coming to get me," and thankfully Carlos came and got me. You know, her, her and I were sat there, we talked for a bit, and we get in the we get in the van, and um, she's like, "Okay, now I'm going to leave you with Carlos," and you
1: know, she gets out of the van,
0: and so she yeah we go to the cell phone parking lot, and she gets out and gets in her car, and she says, "I'll see you later." And now I'm with Carlos and Carlos does not speak very good English. Mm -hmm. Um, And we're headed towards, to Tijuana, um, which I've heard glorious stories about, (laughs) you know, growing up in California, all you hear about from Tijuana are um, prostitutes and people getting murdered, Mm -hmm. you know? um, And
1: it's you and Carlos. And it's me and Carlos. (laughs) We're
0: in this together, brother. Um, But, uh, and, and furthermore, I didn't get a good picture of what was happening the day of, you know, so I don't, Carlos is trying to tell me and Carlos is telling me, you know, no, we we go to the center later. You know, he's telling me, we'll go to the center later. First, we're going to a doctor's office. Thinking a doctor's office, why are we going to a doctor's
1: office? Mm -hmm.
0: Well, let's just go to the center, Carlos.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I paid online for the center.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's making me even more nervous, you know, because you pay half online. The other half you bring in cash down there, mm. you know? Um, and so I've got cash on me and very few things. I mean, they could easily bury this body. Yeah. I, I don't have a lot with me. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. And so Carlos takes me to the center. So they're going to get my blood drawn at the center why are they getting my blood? I mean, are they going to see if my liver or my kidneys, like my organs are a right match for someone and then like (laughs) cut me open and sell my organs? Like this is all going through my head. And yet I'm just, you know, I'm sticking with it. So they draw my blood, they take my blood. and, And finally we go to the center, but I'm still the first person at the center. And the center's a little bit, you know, this is a ceremony and I'm a pretty pretty nature-y dude at this point in my life. And I'm hoping to see like um see uh like I'm still thinking that they're gonna take my liver out and my <laughs> kidney out because you get to the center and it looks more like a hospital. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm like they're gonna put me under and I'm never coming back.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And um and and I was expecting more of like a a a hippie retreat, you know, a yoga retreat kind of vibe, a Tulum like lots of bean bags. I was thinking there would be lots of bean bags and hammocks. And hammocks, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and a salt lamp, at least you know, at least one. And instead, it, it's just a more sterile um, environment, and there's a reason for that. But, but um, you know, all my worries sort of went out the window when a kid I went to high school with what comes in. Yeah, had not seen him since high school. This has been over 15 years, you know. He walks in, he works for the organization as a coach and has decided okay. to, to go through the ceremony himself. And so immediately like my worries are out the window. I have a big hug, you know, it's this reunion. I'm just I feel beyond blessed that did he's there. Did he recognize
1: you without your braces and crutches?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Touche. Yeah, well played. He did. He did. By the time I graduated high school, I was (laughs) quite a strapping young lad.
1: (laughs) So this familiar face, and he's a coach. He's he's so does he also do it?
0: So yeah, he he works for them as a coach, but in this for this weekend, he was doing it as one of us, okay, as one of the participants. Yeah.
1: Okay, so liver and kidneys are still intact. Liver
0: and kidneys are still intact.
1: You're there for what, three days?
0: You're there for three days, yeah.
1: And so first day you're settling in and then is this like an all day thing? Is it a night thing? Do you, How do you do it?
0: Yeah, first day you settle in. You settle in, they run a few more tests on you. They, they run some tests on your heart. They wanna see how your heart is, if it's healthy. And then you just sort of settle in, you know, they got this nice rooftop patio, you have some tea, you're not supposed to eat after a certain hour before this thing. And then, um, and then it's an evening thing. So we started, um, I don't want to say a ton about the experience. Okay. Because I want, if people want to hear more, people can gladly reach out to me, but I don't want to in any way, shape, or form, sell this
1: mm. to someone. Because
0: mm-hmm. um, I feel like it's really something that you should be, yeah. feel connected and called to and should come to you in your life in a really organic way. But I will say, you know, it's an experience you do overnight um, and you're in this altered state for a very long time. And uh, I mean, I'm happy to talk about it, but that's my preface mm-hmm. to people Is is, I mean, don't, I mean, do this if you feel r- really serious about it.
1: Can you talk about like the essence of it? Yeah, just sure. as as a I Platinum. mean, like I said, you don't have to go into detail if you don't want to, but like what was it about the experience that
0: I mean I'll talk about made it, t- it. I, I, okay. I just don't want to sway. I don't want it I'm gonna try to do it in a way that is abstract enough that people don't go in with expectations for what their experience should be. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll see how that goes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think the disclaimer is out there, yeah,
0: yeah, I'm like beat we are that. yeah we
1: are not condoning this uh,
0: <laughs> sure, okay, yeah, great, so um yeah, the experience it starts you there was music, there were lights, you know, they got the dolphin sound, the whale sounds going, mm. and they've got some nice lights, and you take your pills there there these. In this place, they were made into pill form. Okay. And um, that's pretty common these days. You can go to places where you, you eat the root, which is more, uh, more authentic. But um, we took it in pill form. And, you know, it starts somewhat at the same time gradually and um, caustically. Like... <laughs> Uh, it was a very much for me very 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 much an auditory experience I was hearing a lot of things um, that's not the same for everyone and it's an experience in which in general uh, you're very you're very lucid in a lot of ways in that when you open your eyes you see the world more or less as it is mm-hmm when you close your eyes, it's like in the movies, when you dive into one of those wormholes, when when like a ship goes into warp speed Mm -hmm. (laughs) and now you're in like a new reality and you see all sorts of things. And so things that happened for me were, were recounting of, you know, I felt, I heard a lot of voices sort of reprimanding me. Um, for the way, mostly for the ways that I treated myself Mm. and really giving me, showing me really clearly how I had treated myself poorly. And then um, seeing different moments of my life from the past in like crystal clarity, but from the third person. So I'd see myself having that conversation with my brother when we were, you know, whatever age, and um and, and I would reload this whole thing and at the end of it some some lesson would be like implanted mm. into me from that moment that maybe I'd missed in that moment. Mm-hmm. And um and then there was a whole period of time in which it was as if someone had put a PowerPoint up on the wall of my consciousness you know, and I'm watching this, you know, those videos where they have someone speaking and over this, and the vid, YouTube video is like what someone's drawing on a whiteboard,
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know, and it goes from the person to the speak bubble. And then it goes, the speak bubble yeah. turns into this thing. And he's, you know, yeah. they take the handout for most of it, but you see the, the drawings being created on the whiteboard. Yeah, Like that's what I was seeing and what was being drawn what was what was in my head. So it was drawing out my thoughts as they were coming in. And it was literally showing me these fucked up thought loops that I would trap myself in and deride myself with and and belittle myself with. And then it would do it faster and faster and faster and faster and faster until I thought I was gonna burst. And then this booming voice would come in and say, stop.
1: Wow, who was the booming voice?
0: Well, that's a good question. You know, a lot of people liken a bo they say something like ayahuasca is the grandmother mm. of the plant medicines or the, the grandmother spirit of the world or of nature. And Iboga is the grandfather mm-hmm. spirit. So, whereas, an ayahuasca can be hard too, but whereas ayahuasca tends to embrace in more of a loving way, Grandpa can use a stick Mm. sometimes. Oh, God. (laughs) Grandpa gets the belt (laughs) off, you know?
1: Um, And while this is all happening, are you just sitting there or laying down and you're (sighs) totally relaxed? Or are you, like, physically, what are you doing?
0: Yeah, not totally relaxed. Not relaxed at all. Um, I mean, I was in an extreme state of paranoia for the, the majority of the time. And uh, added to that, you you go through this. Um, you have the sense of being drunk, essentially, mm. in terms of your motor skills, not not your perception. Your perception is very different than being drunk, but your motor skills are very much in a sense, which is terrifying. Actually, you know, if you think about it, I think what when we're drunk, you know, we care less. Yeah. But if you stumbled the way you stumble when you're drunk, but you are sober, you know, you'd be really worried about your state of being.
1: Right. <laughs> well, especially when you're losing your mind at the same time, like wow. when you don't have control over your body either.
0: That's the other thing at the beginning of the experience, you know, it was all these sounds and voices and shit that I'm hearing. And I remember thinking, and, and every time I would think something, you know, it, it would be like on a megaphone, you know, echoing through right. the room. And I, I remember thinking, fuck. I've lost my mind, and I'm never gonna get it back. Like there's
1: no turning back.
0: There's no. I'm. I'm gonna be crazy. They're gonna put me in a sane asylum, and then this voice booming, this grandfather voice booming. That's right. Oh my
1: god! Oh my
0: god! Oh my God. <laughs> so yeah, there was definitely this sense through all of it of like, I have gone crazy. Mm-hmm. What have I done? Mm-hmm. I've ruined my life. Um,
1: Wait, where's Juanita this whole time?
0: Yeah, wh- <laughs> that's a great question. Where is Juanita this whole time?
1: Wait, did you ever see her again?
0: <laughs> no, Juanita ended up ended up being there and she was there the whole time. She okay. was sleeping on a couch for most of it. <laughs> while we're, you know, because this experience goes on, I think we started about 8 p.m., 8 a.m. in the morning. I was still losing
2: it.
0: Well, not losing it. You know, it was it was whittling down, but I was there were still significant effects from it that I was experiencing.
1: And are you around the other people at the same time? So you're all in proximity to each other. Yeah,
0: yeah, we were in proximity to each other, and there were let's see, there were four of us doing it Mm. at at the same time. And so, and, and to go back to your question about like. What, what what was going on? What was your state? What were you like at, in this experience? Um, there was a lot like this process of purging, of vomiting. Um, we all essentially went through in the first 30 mm. minutes. They all threw up. I had severe like explosive diarrhea, <laughs> which I much would have preferred to throw up. Yeah. But I tried to anticipate, like I took some smooth moves a couple, <laughs> couple days before. And I think it just like it put my system in. Why did you do that? Because I wanted to empty the tank.
1: Got it. Okay.
0: You know, like yeah. I was in, I was like, oh, I'm going to do a dieta. And then I started late and I was like, well, I better amp up this <laughs> dieta. So I took some smooth moves and <laughs> um, fasted for a couple of days. And anyway, that, that's not the way to do it. Um, because then you drunkenly with all this paranoia, you have to make it from your bed to the bathroom. You know, because they give you they give you puke bins, but not a so they don't give you a, a bin. shit bin. Yeah, <laughs> it could have gotten awkward if I tried to use. The you're puke sitting bin. on
1: it. You're like, wait, this isn't for sitting. <laughs> no,
0: and that's the thing I want to uh, make really clear is you are you have all sense of civility. Mm-hmm. Like you have not lost your inhibitions. You have not. It's not like being drunk. Mm-hmm. You are very aware of who you are and where you are. And all this stuff is going mm-hmm. on, so it's like I knew I had to get to the bathroom. I just didn't know how I was going to do it. <laughs> yeah, and I was mortified because the, the 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 emotions and the and the internal dialogue are amplified also. Right, so right, you're right. feeling all that fear in a in a heightened way.
1: And did you feel the desire to interact with any of the other people? Oh hell no. Okay, so everyone's doing their <laughs> own thing. It's like. Like everyone's okay.
0: Got I it. wish I was in my own hut at yeah. that point. Really.
1: Yeah.
0: I really do. If I ever do anything like that again, I want to be in a more traditional setting.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I want to be with an old man <laughs> that looks so wise. The who's just gonna voice. hold me like a baby?
1: <laughs> you don't want to be with Juanita holding you like a baby?
0: <laughs> no, no, because I don't want to see. I don't no. want her to see what goes down. <laughs> Um, would you do it again? So that was a rite of passage. (laughs) I would do it again. Yeah. I would do it again, but I'd do it differently. Like I said, I'd do it again. um, I don't know, maybe in, maybe in 10 years. Mm -hmm. I've, it was coming out of it. um, There's, I've never had an experience like it in my life in which I gained so much awareness about how, my mind functions yeah. because coming out of it, it's like the, sl- the slate had been wiped clean. So, and what I mean by that is there are a thousand, I believe there are thousands and thousands of thoughts that we have every day that we're so, that they're so normal. It's part of our baseline now. We don't notice them, you know, and they're, they're, they're doubts and they're belittling thoughts and they're questions and they're trying to figure out things that we don't really even need to figure out to to calculate risk, to be safe in life, to, you know, why is that woman doing that? You know, why is that guy doing that? Why, you know, we walk around all day asking those Mm -hmm. questions that don't matter, you know, or what's going to happen there? We're watching two people. To, oh, what's going to happen there? What's going to happen next? What's going to happen? Oh, oh, there's a cop over there. I wonder why he's over there. You know, there's all mm. these things going on in our head. And after the aboga, that was all wiped clean. Mm. And I could see those coming from a mile away. When they started to come, it was like seeing a a, a bumblebee like mm. meandering towards you, you know, and you could just sort of. Brush it away, like wave your hand at it and mm-hmm. brush it away. Um, and that didn't last forever, <laughs> but but
1: um, that's powerful.
0: But it's powerful to have at least a period in your life where you can have that reflection. You can see what's going on in your own in yeah. your own psyche that way.
2: Yeah,
0: I think it could have lasted longer, but I put myself right back in the same places, in the same relationships, in the same. I engaged in the same patterns. I, I didn't make all the choices I could have to change my patterns. Yeah. And so as soon as I went back to the same patterns, I think it sort of, it they found their groove again, you mm-hmm. know, and then you picked up that.
1: Yeah.
0: So you, you had again.
1: changed, but your life hadn't. Right. Yeah. Um. You said something in your intro episode when you were talking about foundation, um, you said to lay the foundation of my own values so as to have a strong hold of belief that will keep me breathing, breathing through the next depression or heartbreak, that next spell of self-loathing, the next onslaught from critics and trolls or the weight of family or foes, strong enough to keep me breathing through it all, through life till that last day. I love that. Um, Thanks. So what's, what is your foundation made up of now? And I know it's evolving, but what's there now?
0: Yeah. Right now is that, um, right now are values. Right now are principles and values. And those, one, I alluded to before, which is the sense of integrity with self. So, one, being honest with myself. And two, um, honoring that, and I think that's the big difference. One, it's one thing to see, okay, yeah, I'm being honest with myself. Okay, yeah, I hear what's happening, but then to heed the advice of what is within you, mm-hmm. even if it's, you know, we talked about that fear and courage before, mm-hmm. even if it's scary, mm-hmm. even if it requires courages, cur- courage. And um, so that's one, that, that's what integrity means to me today. And, That's one of the values. The other one is, is kindness. And that's a harder one to pin down. Um, only because sometimes being kind to yourself and kind to others feels at, um, at a head, you know, uh, contrary Mm -hmm. to one another. And what I mean by that is, you know, how much, how much can you give to someone else before sacrificing yourself? Yep you know or how much can you give to someone else and and do them a disservice by giving too much mm-hmm.
1: or how will what's good for you potentially hurt someone else or impact them
0: totally yeah. exactly so but that's what i'm striving for those are the two values i'm striving for um if i think really about the foundation that you alluded to though um yeah, maybe kindness is the wrong word. Maybe compassion is really mm-hmm. what I'm striving for, because the foundational aspect of it is a self love. Is you know, it's that relationship with the fear that we talked about earlier too. It's it's an acceptance. It's saying, "Hey, you belong. Mm-hmm. You know, I I don't need to do what you say, but I can love you mm-hmm. and." um and I don't even have to like you, you know, if we start talking about people, I don't have to like you at all, but i can I can find compassion and love for you in a way that I'm not going to make your life harder than apparently it mm-hmm. already is. Mm-hmm. Um, so so compassion, I think, is probably the biggest aspect of the foundation for myself and the value that I'm trying to hold closest to mm-hmm. integrity and compassion right now. Mm-hmm. That, I think that answers your question.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, one more thing, rituals. I mean, mm. that's all very high level, you know, um, and abstract. And when I heard people talk like that in the past, uh, it meant, like when I heard people talk like that in my 20s, it meant absolutely nothing to me. And I, and I that's important for-
1: Talk like what, like integrity and kindness are important.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah. what do those words even mean? Mm-hmm.
1: And what do how they do mean you? to you? And how do
0: they mean to you and how do you be compassionate? Right. What do compassionate actions look like? What does integrity look like in action? Uh, that meant nothing to me. It meant nothing to me when people said listen to yourself. absolutely <laughs> nothing. I had no concept of what that meant. It pissed me off when people said that to me or when they said it about themselves. they so go fuck off <laughs> like you're doing me no you're helping me <laughs> n- not at all in mm-hmm. saying that because I had no connection with my feelings, with my emotions, with my, with my body inside. And so that's been a process. So there's a real practical aspect to the foundation, which is identifying things that make me feel good. And this comes back to what you asked earlier about body and mm-hmm. mind and soul, which is that the body is an enormously useful tool for changing the state of the mind and aiding the state of the soul, and so find the things you can find things in life that bring you joy consistently, and you don't want to overdo it. It's like anything; you don't want to do it to the point that it loses its lust because you can. You can do that with anything, I guarantee it. But use it strategically. And so that can be an activity. It's like, for me, it's skiing. I love to ski. Um, and, and I've probably done it too much in the last couple of <laughs> years because it, in, a, in a couple ways, it's, it's lost. It's, it's um, joy-bringing for me. Um, but I'm taking a break and, and I'm confident it'll come back. But so skiing is one. Swimming, swimming in the ocean is another one for me. Um, and uh, cold water exposure. I love the vitality, the way that makes me feel. So there are things that we can do a good yoga class mm-hmm. for me too. A yin yoga class is the right recipe for certain time. So I've gone through a process of identifying things that are pattern breakers for mm-hmm. me, that take me from one state and deliver me to another. Um, and...
1: what's What do you do on a daily basis?
0: Yeah, great question. So the rites, the rituals that I've created on a daily basis to be my foundation are... Um, these days I'm pretty consistent about waking up, having some sort of movement practice. Usually I'm taking a cold shower. And so those things are, those things are huge. My movement practice these days is very simple. I'm trying to rehab. I'm trying to reprogram some of my body movements and recover from injuries. And so, it's very subtle movement. It's more like Tai Chi and, and mm. finding the right weight distribution and building strength in my feet, which like, it seems ludicrous. It's driving me nuts, but <laughs> it helps when I do it in the morning. And then I journal and then I journal every morning. Um, and then some days I do meditation if I feel like I need it, but, but If I do those other things, oftentimes I feel like I don't need it. Like Mm -hmm. my mind is just, I'm ready. Mm -hmm. I I cannot wait to chomp into what I'm working on that day. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's the morning. And then in the evenings, I take a lot of naps these days. I mean, I'd say one thing I'm a bit ritualistic about is listening to my body when it comes to rest. So if I feel like I need a nap, I take a nap. Um, And uh, I'm pretty fortunate to be able to do that, um, to have the flexibility to do that. But, uh, you know, usually it's only 30 minutes and mm-hmm. sometimes I put in some binaural beats and <laughs> and just like close my eyes and that's all I need. But just laying down and just saying to myself, you know, you can rest, mm-hmm. it's okay. You need to rest, you can mm-hmm. rest. That's something I do. And then at night, um, I don't really have great nightly routines, I've been pretty poor about that. I could have some better ones. Mm-hmm. Um, for a while i was really good about turning off all screens and phones and stuff at least at least an hour and a half before i wanted to go to bed um i've been pretty bad about that since starting this project cuz i want to check everything but uh <laughs> but uh yeah yeah that's what I, those are my rites and rituals
1: um, I know the podcast is a huge project for you. Are you working on anything else right now that you want to put out there?
0: Uh, that I want to put out there. Um, I don't know. Uh, not that I want to put out there. I mean, I want to write more, you know, I want to write some books. I want to write some short stories and, um, And those have been a struggle over the last few years. That's what I've been trying to do for the last five years. And that was actually the idea behind this was to write a book about rites of passage. And and I hope one day that still happens or maybe someone will listen to these and write their own book, but um, that's fine with me too. I Yeah, that would be nice. Mm -hmm. Um, i got a newsletter, just started a newsletter. So I'm gonna take some. (laughs) So go to my website, sign up for the newsletter.
1: What's your website?
0: Chase nelson.com or chasewildly.com, either one i bought the domain (laughs) and the uh yeah the content of that will just be sort of these weekly musings and mostly reflections on the podcasts i've done like what was the gem i took from each one and how can i how can i give that back and 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 this also will be a process that i want to share that maybe one day goes into the book, but um, for right now, let me extract, okay, I had that conversation. What did that mean? What did I get from it? How can I apply that to my life? And then I wanna give that to people in some form mm-hmm. through the newsletter.
1: Um, you mentioned being fortunate to have the flexibility um, to take naps. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but also, I mean, what? how would you recommend that other people who can't leave their job or live a life on the road um, or have the flexibility that you have, how would you recommend that they set out on their own path of discovery?
0: You know, um, hard for me to say. I mean, the the easy things to do, uh, that's really hard for me to say. I've been so fortunate and blessed in my life to really have the freedom to uh, make some wild choices and, and still feel safe. You know, what do I say to someone who has, who's in a situation I haven't been in, you know, that's, that's has a mortgage and kids and can't imagine taking a week off. Um, I don't know. I want to give you a hug but but i guess I guess the things that can happen anyway are relating to that voice within you mm. are if you have vacation time choosing how you use it, you know um I'd go spend it in nature, I'd save money, I'd find campsites i'd I'd stare at the sky more mm. i'd I'd get rid of your TV. I'd, I'd find, that's probably what I would do. That's what I probably would say to them. I'd say, let yourself get desperate enough until you feel like you don't have a choice but to change and then cut all of the fat out of your life. Save money on, I stopped drinking coffee to save money. Um, that's an, an enormous amount of money if you were like me and drank <laughs> like four or five <laughs> cups a day at a certain point. Um, but uh, but not not about the money. It's not about saving money. It's about creating time and space in your life. Mm. If you can, instead of walking to Starbucks and getting that second coffee in the day, what if you took 15 minutes and, and did a power nap or listened to a guided meditation or you know so that's what i mean by cutting out the fat getting rid of the tv going home and not watching shows but listening to a podcast that's that you're interested in that resonates with you that's about a hobby that you think you may want to do so just making some choices and swapping some of those automated time slots mm-hmm. in your life i mean yeah and what do i say to someone who has who's competing with a wife and kids for for how they use their time good luck brother Good luck. I'm with you. And I can't imagine it's easy. And and I don't know, but you know mm-hmm. if you I I believe that if you get enough in touch with yourself, you know, part of you knows exactly what to do to make the time or to make the change. And and maybe the first step is working on believing that you're capable of it.
1: Mm-hmm. Can we do some rapid fire? Rapid fire. Are you ready?
0: Are you in the zone? <laughs> I don't know. I'm nervous now. Okay.
1: Um. Fill in the blank. Men are hurting. Women are ah. People are.
0: People are complex.
1: The world is gorgeous. The world needs more. Love. Love is.
0: Oh, well played, Lyle.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Love is connection and understanding and attention and truth.
1: I am, as in you.
0: I am. Uh, we will find out.
1: I wish I wasn't so. Afraid. If you really knew me, you'd know that love you the best thing about me is my
0: butt
1: (laughs) when no one's looking i sing when no one's listening i oh
0: okay sing when no one's looking i dance
1: (laughs) i'm most grateful for
0: uh right now friends and my dog and just the people who continue to show me love
1: one day i will
0: change the world
1: this journey will lead to
0: the next one.
1: Nice. <laughs> <laughs> that was all I had. <laughs> uh,
0: made it out of that. That's about a ride of passage right there. Add that to the list.
1: Let's go January twenty twenty when I'm back on the podcast interviewing you again. Yeah. <laughs> what What are we talking about? What has happened in your life in the past year?
0: Um, Hopefully we're talking about what I've learned. Hopefully we're talking about.
1: Well, what specifically are we talking about that you learned?
0: Yeah. Okay. Uh, Practical, pragmatic advice or lessons for people to become better versions of themselves and to create better community Um, and ideally targeting men and masculinity. Mm
1: -hmm. What about the other half of us?
0: (laughs) Yeah, well, um, so I mean, the first part of what I said is about becoming a better version of yourself. Mm -hmm. I think that applies to everyone. What about the other half of you? Well, um, the other half of you aren't in prison as much aren't leading sex trafficking rings, aren't um, in general perpetrating these cycles of corporate greed that we see. I mean, there are women amongst and amidst those cultures and subcultures. But, you know, if we look at who's in our juvie centers and uh, in... In prison for violent crimes and who's perpetrating rape against both men and women Um, and 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 like I said being being leadership in these subcultures that that continue to propagate these sorts of actions it's men Mm. so what about the rest of you I'm sorry
1: so are you saying that the rest of the world will benefit if we have from us having better men?
0: Um, but the rest, of the, I hope so. I mean, I think that's what I'm hearing from the world mm-hmm. right now. I think that's what I'm hearing from women right now. Um, I think so. I mean, I like to solve problems. So yeah, why am I doing this for men? You know, I was sitting one day, I don't remember which, and thinking, okay, Chase, if you were going to change the world, how would you do it? Well, first I have to consider what do I think are the biggest problems in the world, and to me, they're war and a certain level of greed and um, uh, not respecting another human's life and boundaries and that, and that comes out in many ways. You know, I already mentioned sex trafficking, human trafficking, human slavery of any kind. And, um, and so if I work backwards from there, yeah, I have to look at, okay, who's doing this? And then I have to look at, okay, well maybe why are they doing it? And then, and so that's part of this process is to explore that question. Mm -hmm. And, and that's why men And, um, that's why men for me and the other why men for me is that, um, I think we're all unique, you know, and I think that, um, I don't know how true this is, but, but it's my, it's my tendency to believe that we're likely to follow the people who look and seem like us. We're likely to imitate and learn from them. And so I think that I can understand. I have the capacity in this journey, in this particular life, to both understand and impact the group that is most like me.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And maybe that's wrong. Maybe I'll end up impacting, you know, um African-American women or you know, some, some other group. And, and if it's in a positive way to me, that's all, that's all fine. But, um, it's a theory that, Mm -hmm. that, that'll, that, that'll be the correlation. And that's sort of my opportunity in the form that I've been given in this life.
1: Yeah. What would you say is the state of men, your age?
0: The state of men, my age. Yeah, gosh. Uh, Depends where you are. I
1: don't know. I was going to say, I mean.
0: Depends where you are. I mean, I think what it should be is one of responsibility. I'm 35 years old. So if I think about who I was looking up to and at for leadership as a 14 to 25 year old, it was people who were 30 to... 45 it wasn't old guys it wasn't old old guys
1: mm-hmm.
0: it was those guys just you know just With old the next enough
1: generation not even yeah. next generation but
0: still like sort of hip yeah but <laughs> um so I, I think i think what whether or not it is they should be thinking about what kind of leaders they are in their own lives and their own families and their own spaces. Um, what and so, is would it? you
1: say the current state is that they are not?
0: I don't know. I, I don't know. I think. What's the current state? I mean, one of the reasons that I always felt upset in software is because I felt it was a culture of of in which we elevated people who used tactics of belittling and domination to elevate themselves to step on others and the well-being of others to get higher and we allowed that all of us who were in the industry and you know the the person who would get ahead and get the promotion was the one who was best at stabbing people in the back and I felt that no matter where I went and so um one of the one of the things that I think exists, perhaps still. I mean, there are worlds that I haven't been in. I've been largely isolated for the past five years, so I can't say. But I think people my age, yeah, may be perpetrating those or, or perpetuating,
1: mm-hmm.
0: perpetuating, not perpetrating because
1: perpetual perpetrators,
0: <laughs> perpetual <laughs> perpetrators. <laughs> <laughs> Plucking pickles from the pickle jar. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I mean, it's a, it's a choice. It's a, mm-hmm. is that the state we're in? I don't know. Because at the same time, here's the here's the problem for me mm-hmm. is that there are so many good humans out there, mm-hmm. but for some reason we don't give them attention. We don't give them airwaves. We don't put them in the newspapers. We don't, um, mm. as a society, we don't elevate them in the mindset of leadership. I mean, I know a nor- th- th- there are so many people doing a podcast like mine or writing like me or trying to be a good man or starting the better man project or doing the mankind project, or, you know, like they're numerous. They're they're, And yet they're not the ones finding themselves to the heads of, of corporations necessarily. And they're not the ones finding themselves in the presidency. And they're not the ones, I don't know. So what is the state mm-hmm. of men my age? I don't know. Maybe I'll find out through this. If
1: you had one wish for, let's just stick to men your age. Yeah. Um. Based on w- what you, what your current perspective is now. I know there's a lot more to learn and discover. And a lot of that will be through this forum. But based on what you know now, what, what would be your one wish for men your age?
0: Mm. To learn how to love yourself. Because mm. that's the other thing that I imagine men my age are going through because I did and I have and I've heard my other friends between 30 and 35, 30 and 40 even, is the reckoning. Is the reckoning of all the things you've done, all the shame or guilt or pain that you've been bearing since you were 4 years old and that first person told you you weren't allowed to cry and 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 life won't let you bury it too long and so as that comes to the surface you know this is your opportunity to learn how to love yourself because that is in my life and my experience the key to compassion and mm. has been mm. That's that's been the source of my compassion is my own self-love.
1: What are you still learning to love about yourself? (laughs) Oh,
0: I'm still learning. I'm still learning to love my mistakes as I make them. You know that's one for sure. Um, You know I'm sitting here thinking about things I've just said in this podcast. Like, (gasps) don't think about it. Face palm. You know my mistakes. What am I still learning to love? I'm still learning to love. I'm still learning to love my past, Mm -hmm. um, for what it's taught me, and not not see it in some light that it took something from me. I'm still learning to love. yeah that's it for now Mm -hmm, i don't mm -hmm. know a lot of things but as they come
1: what do you want me to ask you
0: Mm. i want you to ask one thing i wanted you to ask um I don't know, before you're done, I, I want you to ask if there's any challenge I have for <laughs> people out there, but- um, Oh, okay. Um, I don't know. I don't know, I, I didn't have anything in mind. I wanted you to ask everything that you've asked. Good. Yeah. The last thing I was worried you weren't gonna ask is why men?
1: come on you knew i would ask (laughs) um i also want to acknowledge that by saying the other half of us that also wasn't accurate because as we know gender is not binary yes so just to acknowledge that
0: yeah yeah that's tough that's um i want to acknowledge that too yeah you're absolutely right and um that's a that's 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 exactly one of those mistakes I was thinking of you know it's It's hard to change our our linguistic code, so mm-hmm. nice catch
1: mm-hmm. um Mary Oliver passed away recently, so I've been digging back into some Mary Oliver um and came across wild geese, which is one of my favorites mm-hmm. um, and what we were just talking about reminded me of um of that poem in particular but the end where she writes whoever you are no matter how lonely the world offers itself to your imagination calls to you like wild geese harsh and exciting over and over announcing your place in the family of things you probably know where i'm going next but what is your place in the family of things (laughs)
0: no I have no idea (laughs) you know I was thinking about when you're reading that my mind wandered (laughs) and um, I want to say something real quick Mm -hmm. which is that um, when I say that men should love themselves Mm -hmm. men my age should learn to love themselves that that means in a brutally honest way that that doesn't mean to to slap yourself on the back about everything you are you know it means to inspect everything you have been and come to terms with it and learn to love it
2: Mm. in a new way
0: Mm -hmm. um i don't want to give the people i don't want to give people the idea that they don't need to reflect on who they are Mm -hmm. that's requisite Mary Oliver, boy. Well,
1: just to stay with that for a moment, I think what I'm hearing you say is that first you want men to be honest with themselves.
0: Yeah, yeah. I want us all to. Yeah. I want everyone to. Right. Check yourself.
1: <laughs> Before you wreck yourself.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: Um, Mary.
0: Mary, Mary. Family of things. Family of things. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, that's a beautiful thing. I mean, aren't poem. we all,
1: I think that's what we're all up to is finding our place in the family of things.
0: I think we are. I think we are. And I think, I think we're all finding our place in the family of things. I think that growing up is part of, there's, I want to say it's a Maya Angelou, Angelou quote, but um, you know, we belong everywhere. It's a, it's finding, for me, it's been a process of finding a sense of belonging no matter where I am. Where are we in the family of things? You know, as you, as you begin, as I begin to figure out who I am, that's how I'll find my place amongst the family of things. As I begin to be honest about my strengths and my weaknesses and what I can contribute and where I'm good and where I'm not as good, then I find my place in the world. Then I find mm-hmm. where I can help people and where where I can be a value to Mm -hmm. others. and I don't know. Maybe that's my answer.
1: Mm -hmm. Your challenge for everyone, after they listen to this podcast and they go out into the world, what's the challenge? Um,
0: The challenge is... Drum roll. (laughs) The challenge is... You know, this podcast has been such a gift to me. I want to say the challenges. This is not well-formed or suited. And I haven't, I should have thought about this because I knew it was coming, but.
1: (laughs) You told me to I know,
0: I know. (laughs) Um, The challenge for everyone is to have a conversation like this. And what I mean by that is to set aside two hours of distraction-free time. We come up with a list of questions with someone that you care about and someone who cares about you. Things that you don't know the answers to and you're curious about where they're at in life working on these things or things that you're working on and you're, you're curious if they're also working on them. And have this kind of conversation with them and make it super structured You know, I think one of the benefits of this format is and record it. That's the last part of the challenge and record it just for yourself. If nothing else, that'll make it feel more real. That'll put you, bring you both there to this place together. And um, that's my challenge. Mm. Go have a two hour long conversation with someone that you care about, about the things that are really challenging you in your life. And and record it.
1: Mm. Who are you gonna have that conversation with next?
0: I'll probably have I've already done a podcast with my dad, but I'll probably have another one with my dad. Because we just scratched scratched
1: the <laughs> surface. <laughs> um what else?
0: I think we nailed it.
1: Okay.
0: Thanks so much for the questions. I couldn't be more grateful.
1: Thank you so much. Yeah. Nailed it.
0: A huge thank you to Carrie for taking the time to sit down with me, turn the tables, to get me to think about these topics. You heard my challenge. Set aside two hours of time to sit and talk and record a conversation with someone you love. Get close. Look them in the eyes. Talk about what it means to mature what it has meant, what rites of passage you've already come through in your life, what you've learned. Ask them about the same in their lives and what you still hope to learn and what rites of passage you still hope to experience. Thank you to Aulichino for the music. Listen to more at aulichino.it. Thank you so much to No Sin Records for the production of this. Find him at nosinrecords.com. That's all I got boom shakalaka you go get on out there and love somebody